All right, we're about 90 minutes out from the announcement of five-star athlete Terry Bussey. And I guess the real question is, how emotionally invested should we get in Terry Bussey's decision here in 90 minutes? I don't think at any point during this that we've gotten any sort of uh, emotional attachment or our hopes up about Terry Bussey. And I'm going to guess that we don't need to start now, 90 minutes out from this announcement. Is that the right way to go about it? Yeah, look, allow yourself to be very pleasantly surprised if this one goes in Oklahoma's direction. Um, Been talking about it for the last couple hours on the program. And A&M just had such a big lead for such a long time that it's actually somewhat remarkable. Not somewhat. It is remarkable that Emmett Jones and the Oklahoma staff have managed to charge into this thing and make this as tight of a race as it has been, such that no staffs, at least to my knowledge right now, have knowledge of what the pick is going to be in less than two hours. And I I was going back and forth with my best source, someone who knows Bussy pretty intimately, last night, and that source told me, look, man, He's been going back and forth and back and forth between OU and A&M. I don't know which way it's going to swing, but OU is very real in this race for Bussy. So, all in all, so OU is down 28-3 like <laughs> the uh, Patriots were in the Super Bowl, but they may not complete the comeback like New England did. That's that's where we're at. Hey, here's mm-hmm. yeah, it'll either be that, it'll either be they complete the comeback or it's a Gordon Hayward half-court shot that yeah. ricochets off the rim. So um, I, I think I asked you a similar question yesterday when we talked about this. I think you used the word loyal with, with Terry Bussey. Yeah. If not yesterday, maybe it was the day before. Anyway, so based on what you just said, okay, that your source saying, well, he's been back and forth, uh, OU at one point, then maybe A&M at another point. So when I hear that, I immediately think to, okay, well, maybe like the safe pick today is Texas A&M. But if he's really been going back and forth with himself on who he wants to pick today, does that thing that does that mean this thing's really over? Yes. Know, are, are we yes. really over with this until signing day? Yes, I believe this is You think today is, is like the final decision. If he goes to A&M, we don't even need to talk about Terry Bussey anymore. It's not happening. Yes, I, I believe this is over if he picks Texas A&M today. And look, again, I and this kind of goes to show my point here. We're not talking about this Terry Bussey decision just because we're trying to hype up Oklahoma being a major player for a five-star. If Oklahoma weren't very deep in this thing, we wouldn't bother talking about it. But by the same token, there's a reason we continue to talk about guys that have committed elsewhere like williams Winery, for instance, because there is a chance those guys flip to Oklahoma later on down the line. And there is there's likely going to come a point at which the Sooners will get a guy like Winnery back on campus and they'll make a second charge. But per everything I've been told with Bussy, he is committed to making this decision and standing by this decision. And so if it is A&M today, I expect it to be A&M on signing day. Yeah. I don't think the decision changes one way or another when he makes the choice at 345. Well, 24-7 had, you know, potential fits for each of the five finalists, and they actually raved about um, Texas, what they would be able to do with Terry Bussey and how big Sark has been in this recruitment, but it, it doesn't feel like uh, Texas is going to get Terry Bussey today. Uh, for the case of OU, they said, you've got Jeff Lebby's passing attack. I think he's a guy you get the ball in space. I think the quarterback situation there... Setting up well for Jackson Arnold. That's re- that's really all they said 
about the uh, fit for OU, which makes sense. You know, get Terry Bussey the ball, just let his athleticism take over. But I, I was expecting a little bit more there for a team that's at least sitting in second right now. Hey, yeah, get him in space, and they got a good quarterback there, so so that's the fit for OU. Oh, okay, yeah, that's great. I can say that for the other five wide receivers that are committed in this class for OU. But thank you, guys. A&M, it says, was interesting to me, and I don't know, I wrote this down, and you can laugh at it, but Evan Stewart replacement, potentially, like kind of their guy, I guess it just depends on what side of the ball he views himself. Evan Stewart, the best wide receiver that A&M has, one of the best players that they have, so they actually give us someone that he can replace there. OU, it's just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Levy, you know, he throws it around. They go tempo. They'll get it to him in space, and I'm sure he'll like Jackson Arnold at quarterback. So that's what, that's what I was trying to tell you yesterday, and not that you didn't believe me. It's just you and I are talking <laughs> about A&M and OU, and everyone else is just kind of throwing them in like, ah, oh, yeah, OU will have a hat on the table. Yeah, I guess. It's a weird deal, there. man. But, like, look, even if this goes A&M's direction, I think it speaks volumes for Emmett Jones that he was able to come very close, come very, very close to pulling a kid that has had been considered an A&M lean for the absolute longest time. Um, OU would jump from 7 to 4 on 24-7 sports, by the way, if they were to get this one. Would they drop out of the top five on rivals if they don't get Terry Bussey? A&M's not too far behind, so... A&M might jump up to five if they get Bussy today. Uh, okay, what's the surprise level? Scale of one to ten, ten being the highest. Surprise level if it's uh, OU here in about 90 minutes. I, my surprise level would be at about a six or a seven. I would be surprised, but I would also be like, well, I mean, hey, if it wasn't going to be A&M, it was going to be Oklahoma, right? So, and, like, again, we don't – no one is 100% sure – of what the decision is going to be right now. And it's very rare that I could say that about a kid an hour and a half before his decision. You'd be, if I wasn't very explicit about it, you'd at least be able to pick up in the things that I was saying, okay, like we know where this one is headed. We don't know where this one is headed yeah. with Terry Bussey. Um, <laughs> Blacktop Billy asked, do we have anyone there at all at Bussey's commitment? Let me, okay. Hey, that may be a great sign. Hey, not well, bringing anyone down there in a surprise DJ happens. Hicks. Yeah, that's that's yeah, exactly. So I I touched base with a couple sources at the Switzer Center this morning and asked them straight up, "Hey, do I need to make this trip down to Timpson? I was prepared to rearrange my whole schedule, call Drake, figure it out on the fly and get down to East Texas or Beast if, Texas as they like to call Beast it. Beast Texas. <laughs> if the word had been, "Yes, you need to be there." And what I was told was, and I don't know. And so at that point, I was like, okay, well, I'd rather, I'd rather not make the trip and be surprised with everybody else on this end, pleasantly surprised, that is, than make an 11-hour round trip for a kid that's well, going to commit. I'm to shocked you didn't say, okay, well, they say they don't know. They didn't tell me definitively no. So I'm just going to do the show from the Buckies in Fort Worth, Denton, whichever way I need to go. And then if I hear that I need to make my way to Timpson, Texas, I'll do that. I'm surprised you didn't like uh, huh. try to at least get down there a little Might bit. Might have been a good idea because I'm going to Dallas tonight anyway. So huh. Zane says, I'm so confident we get Terry Bussey. If we don't, I'm going to get an invisible Texas A&M tattoo. Where you where you getting that Zane lower back the lower back the tramp stamp uh, Texas A and M tattoo <laughs> the invisible one no oh boy uh, four oh five has Terry Bussey taken an official to OU yes he has 
June 16th through the 18th, he was in town for his OV. Sam and Edmund says, this sets up like the Don McKinley recruitment. OU seems to be the best fit for culture and family values. It blows my mind these types of recruits pick A&M. Money is hard to beat. Yeah, and look, it, if Terry Bussey picks A&M, I, I, inconvenient truth here, this is not about money. This is not about money if he picks Texas A&M. It's about him being close to home. It's about the fact that A&M offered early. It's about the fact that he's got a bunch of buddies committed to Texas A&M. And like, trust me, if this were a battle that was going to be di- dictated by NIL, and I think there are some folks in his circle as well that are a little bit more NIL-driven than Terry himself. I, I, I said this last hour. I was told by one source, hey, Bussy's never once talked about NIL. He has never asked about it whatsoever. So That's he himself, Venables type of guy, not right really there. driven by it. And I think if his circle had that type of pull with the NIL influence, it would be A and M and LSU. Greg from Lawton says, "When does the law of averages kick in when it comes to head to head with A and M?" Yeah, that money was intentional. Yeah, they they gotta they gotta break through on one of these five star recruitments and beat A and M at some point. That's uh, they've done it. A, I know they they've have, done but it's it. Zion uh, Kearney, Nigel Smith. Last the last twelve months. It's been, been tough against those guys. Peyton says, if Bussy does commit to OU, I'll bring you a fireball shot on Saturday. Peyton, my man, let's go. I'm, I'm counting on that one. All of a sudden, I've, I've got more in the game here for uh, Terry Bussy committing at, uh, what, 3.30, 3.35. Oki Tom says, where do we stand with Jordan Seaton? Well, isn't that an interesting conversation now? Where do you stand with Jordan Seaton? Um, do you stand at all with Jordan Seaton? After he canceled his visit this weekend, and he's going to go to Tennessee instead. Yeah, look, I I wasn't going to say it beforehand for obvious reasons, but that was a waste of an official visit if it because Oklahoma was not getting that kid, and hopefully people picked up on that in the way that we talked about him over the first couple of days of this week on these airwaves. Oklahoma would have wasted an OV that could have been better allocated elsewhere if Jordan Seaton had indeed come into town. Five-star offensive tackle for my MG, Jordan Seaton, will visit Tennessee instead. They're going to have a uh, blackout game this weekend when they host South Carolina. So who does that mean uh, is visiting now? David Stone will be visiting Devon Mitchell. Jaden Jackson, did I see that he put out a graphic earlier today that he's uh, coming along as well? He'll be in town, yep. But in terms of uncommitted prospects in 2024, are there any uncommitted prospects in 24 that will be in Norman this weekend, or is it just – no, I Highly ranked committed players I, at this point. Gosh, offhand? No, I don't think so. Uh, a listener in the 918 says, Can you send out an alert when you're done discussing a guy who is 100% not going to OU? Cannot listen to any more bussy Are you talk. reporting that? 100% not going to OU? Like, again, okay. a, right. to rephrase exactly what I said seven minutes ago, if Terry Bussey was 100% not going to OU, we would not be talking about him. That's why we didn't spend any time talking about Jordan Seaton unless we were directly asked about him because he was 100% not coming to OU. I am not in the business of trying to hype up OU's chances with kids that they are not getting and have no chance at. That is not the case with Terry Bussey. There's at least a chance. There's at least a shot. They're at least running second in a five-team race coming up uh, next hour. Yeah, well, hopefully it uh, goes OU's way, but there's not any predictions crystal ball predictions rivals future cast or anything like that um really there's no new ones at all 
feel like everyone's got one in for A&M, and no one's really changed that yet up to this point. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We got still got a lot of OU recruiting to talk about. We'll talk about uh, OU and Iowa State as well, plus your text. We'll do it all next right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans, Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and the Ref Army as well, listening nationwide. Fairfield, Iowa is tuned in today. Clinton, Indiana. Las Vegas, Nevada. Garden Grove, California. Atlanta, Georgia. Virginia Beach, Virginia. Spokane, Washington. Mansfield, Texas. Small Oklahoma town of the day. Ida Bell, Oklahoma. Ida Bell, there we go. Gotta love it, Southeast right? Oklahoma repping. McCurtain County, right? I believe that is correct. Also, did you say Nevada? 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 Which one is it? Nevada or Nevada? We need a definitive ruling from Las Vegas Nevada. Nevada. If Las Vegas Sooner is listening, or any of our other Nevada Sooners, is it Nevada or Nevada? I've always said Nevada. I think I say both, to be really? quite honest, because I'm not sure which one it <laughs> Straddle is. Straddle the line. So at some point uh, on the Ref Army Locator, uh, I'll, I'll say it the other way here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Ref Army Locator is brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They compromise on the price, but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net or call 405-635-9499. Texture from the 405 says, tells us about Eddie. Oh, I'll tells you. About Eddie, Eddie Pierre-Louis, EPL. There's a story out today, I think it's from Gorney on Rivals. Five prospects that could add a fifth star. Cam Coleman, A&M wide receiver commit is on there. Jordan Seaton, who's not visiting this weekend, is on there. DJ Lagway, one of the more talked about quarterbacks in this class. Florida commit is there. Yeah. And then there's Eddie Pierre-Louis. One of the five that he mentioned really? that could elevate to a five-star. Yeah, Really? I okay. keep coming well. back to his performance on the bench press two summers ago when he would have been among the top ten offensive linemen in reps at the NFL Combine. Oh, hey. Whoa. He's only gotten stronger, and Pierre-Louis also runs well. We talked about that the other day. Pro teams will love to see that athleticism as an interior offensive lineman. He's immovable. Well? So, yeah, I, I, there you go. Like, it's... It's athletic profile. Like, you want an answer as to what Rivals sees in Eddie Pierre-Louis that on three and 24-7 don't and why you have that big discrepancy in where he's ranked is it's the athletic profile. It is the combination of strength and speed that Rivals is banking on. 24-7 and on three, I guess maybe not as... Not as impressed. Twenty four seven number like 241, on three, 328, Rivals number 26. So wouldn't it be funny if Rivals has him as a five-star and the others have him as a borderline top 300 player? Is, is he still a three on on three? Um, or does he have a four? 328, I, I can check, but I'm at 328 nationally. I think he'd probably, he's borderline three yeah. or four-star. What an interesting deal. Very interesting. Well, I, one of the five that could elevate to a five-star. What, what are the chances that uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis gets to a five-star by the end of the cycle? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating. I don't make the rankings. But he's already at 26. Basically, here's how you have to look at this, though. The way recruiting services do it is they each rank 32 five-star prospects because the purpose of ranking recruits is to project them as NFL draft picks, right? Correct. So 32 first-round draft picks, basically what you're saying is, okay, there are 32 guys in this cycle, the top 32 players, the guys that would be – 
NFL first-round draft picks four years from now, in our opinion. These are the guys that are the five stars. So if Eddie Pierre-Louis just stays where he's at right now, he doesn't need to go up. He just needs to stay where he's at at 26. He's a five-star at that point. Yeah. Well, what about Eddie Pierre-Louis and how important he is to the rest of this class? Because we've done this a couple of times. I think most recently... Three weeks ago, it was definitely prior to the Danny Okoye commitment, but it was, okay, like, what's objective number one right now? Who's the most important uh, recruit out there that's currently not committed for this class? And I think I think we, 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 we all agree, not all, but mostly agreed on Grant Bricks being one, Danny Okoye number two. Well, Danny Okoye is off the, bo- uh, off the board. He's committed in your class. And I would guess that Grant Bricks is still number one, though we don't hear a lot from him. Where does Eddie Pierre-Louis rank right now in terms of importance to this class for guys that are still uncommitted and on their board? High. Very high. And, again, like, when you're talking about Eddie versus Bricks, I think Bricks has the higher ceiling. I think EPL is probably – like, he's going to have an easier path to playing time at Oklahoma, I think, because he's going to be an interior guy. Bricks is a tackle, and tackles just stack up sure. under Bill Biedenboe, right? Like he's just got tackles on. Sounds tackle like EPL's tackles. physically, like strength wise, especially athleticism, re- ready to play a- right away. Yeah, so be. like it's it's a virtual push between those two as to which is more important to your class. I I like Bricks a little better as a prospect because I just think he's got a a mean factor, and because he is so undeveloped as of yet because he's such a blank canvas the ceiling is astronomically higher for him than your typical top 100 offensive line prospect but man it's it's bricks and eddie pierre louis 1a and 1b right now i would say in terms of who who it's important that you land going forward just, to close out this 2024 class. And, and really just about the offensive line class as a whole in this class you know i mean you're good at d-line um backer i mean you're not you're taking one um but you know corner safety just secondary as a whole you, you feel good there definitely at wide receiver definitely at quarterback and running back it's just can this offensive line class come together and yeah, EPL Eddie Pierre Louis would go a long way into you end up getting Eddie Pierre Louis Daniel Locke and Kumi, Ant Grant Bricks in this class, it goes from a class that, yeah, I feel pretty good about it to, like, it's one of the better offensive line classes that you've had in quite some time, right? Like, and the that, best. And that won't be, I don't know if that'll be a, a big storyline on signing day because so much attention is on the defensive line, but this will be the best defensive line class that you have gotten in quite some time. But the same thing can be true for the O line if you close out with that three. I mean, that's going to be a really good offensive line class with a lot of bodies as well. From the 918, Parker, how frequently do you still check in with OU's verbal commits? Anyone whose enthusiasm seems to be waning based on OU's performance, other class members, et cetera. No, and look, I, I check in with a lot of those guys on a pretty regular basis, not all of them to the same degree, but I do check in with them pretty regularly. And no, there is no one who's – um, excitement surrounding Oklahoma seems to have been diminished, really, at all. David Stone, the exact opposite. I think uh, I almost said our friends at Inside Texas. I don't really know what we 
our acquaintances at Inside acquaintances Texas. Our acquaintances as Inside Texas kind of did the us a human, solid. The human beings responsible for the published material at Inside They did owe you a solid is what they did. David Stone's been all fired up ever since uh, that comment was made last Thursday. Ah, he's a three-star. I saw him once in person. That's as good as he is. He's just a three-star. David Stone's been he's, – he's been about OU. He committed to him, but – uh, and maybe he was always going to visit this weekend, but he's he's visiting this weekend, all that. So, yeah, he's. I, I would say things are going quite well on that front. Any of those guys going to be on the pregame show, by the way, on Saturday? Working on it. We'll see. We will see. Hopefully that's the case. you, you got to ask him about the Inside Texas thing if uh, David Stone comes on at any point in the day. I'm sure David Stone will definitely have something to say about that. Okie Tom says, uh, I trust Coach B's opinions. Uh, Cruton Therapist says, there is a uh, Nevada, Missouri, where the first A is a long A. Yeah, we got a lot of text about that. There's a Nevada, Missouri, I guess. We got more text about the Missouri one than the uh, actual uh, other Vegas that we were talking about, which is interesting. Now, 615, a bussy commits to OU. It would be much less surprising than Hicks' last-minute flip last year. To be fair, the Hicks flips was the most surprising flip since the first Rivals rankings in 2002. Well, for OU, it was definitely one of the more surprising things that we've seen uh, in recruiting, that's for sure. Top three, uh, if not number one. Uh, Glenn from Nashville, are we still in contact with the linebacker from the Dallas area that chose Ohio State over OU, or have we cut off communication? Talk about Peyton Pierce there. Yeah, OU never cut off communication, but I I don't expect Peyton Pierce to flip. I I don't. Um, also, I just got a text from a real good source that uh, has kind of given me some clarity on the whole Bussy situation. It it does look like A and M is going to get his pledge this afternoon. Hmm. So, hour outs sounds like Texas A and M. A lot of uh, we, we had a lot of questions on the text line, like who's even A and M's future at quarterback. Who are they going to be playing in 24 and 25? Well, probably the guy that just got hurt, if I had to guess. Surely, Max Johnson, who is going to be starting for them this weekend, is finally out of eligibility. I remember him starting at uh, LSU a few years ago. Connor Wegman um, is probably A&M's future at quarterback, even though he's out for the remainder of the year. A 405 listener says, is it just me, or do you not ever hear about any of these five stars who went on to Texas A&M ever balling out? Yeah, I actually, there was a uh, check-in on the 2020 uh, five-stars, and I saw Demond Demas, who OU finished in, what, the top three for him, and he's not even an A&M anymore. He got in trouble. So th- they've had some five-star guys that have, you know, gone there and played well, but there's there's a lot from, what was it, their 20, was it their 2021 class that was number one in the country? It, and I haven't checked back in on those guys this year, but we looked at it before the year, and there were a lot of guys that have been kicked off the team or had already entered in the transfer portal. So they are they are not getting um, the type of play from a lot of those five stars that they hoped. It's the reason that they're in the spot that they're in right now. A lot of people questioning their head coach and the direction of their program. And they got to win. like To assuage those concerns – you got to win, and you got to win more than A and M has in recent years. I know they had the one year in the COVID season in 2020 where they were right on the doorstep of the college football playoff. But other than that, man, it's been a rough go of things for Jimbo. By the way, we're gonna have to do this tomorrow, and um, with Bussy sounding like he's picking A and M, 
the, the choice here is rather obvious. But the last day of this month falls on Saturday, so we need to award a KREF Recruiter of the Month tomorrow. Okay. I mean, we can award it right now if you'd like, because, like I said, it seems rather obvious. But if you would just like to wait until tomorrow for precautionary reasons, yeah, let's we can let, we can let's do wait that till as tomorrow. Well. Let's wait till tomorrow. We can at least just in case we can at least announce the candidates today. Okay. The candidates are Miguel Chavis and anyone else. Does Todd Bates get uh, some credit for being a secondary recruiter on at least one of those guys? Who else committed in September? Is it just Okoye? Uh, what you had a Koye and you had Nigel Smith. Oh, that's right, Nigel yeah. Smith. Nigel Smith. Shoot, I forgot he was September too. But yeah, I mean, Chavis kind of ran away with it this month. I mean, is there any other candidates that we can <laughs> highlight for this month, or is Chavis going to be the for, only one? There's simply, only one hat on the table, and it's an Edgeman hat that we're picking <laughs> from. Simply for the sake of being thorough, let's just mm-hmm. wait till three forty-five to make sure what I suspect mm-hmm. does indeed come to fruition, but. Yeah, look, if if Bussy picks A and M this afternoon, I'm uh I'm going with Chavis and that's an easy call. Pottstown, Pennsylvania Sooner says don't call them Texas A and M. They should be called Texas eight and four. We uh Texas eight and four, I can get down with that. We were calling them the fight in eighty threes last year, since Which, it's been eighty three years since they won a national championship. And now it's been eighty four years. Yeah, we've we've called them a lot of names in the in the past. You can use that gif. You can use that gif mm-hmm. this year only. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to more of those. We'll check in on the five stars and more. Right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you the sour of Locked In. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Family operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. It's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Five-star check-in from last year's class, according to Rivals. And yeah, as you can imagine, they are very impressed with what all three five-stars playing for OU have been able to accomplish so far this year. For Peyton Bowen, it says, In a crazy recruitment, Bowen flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon on signing day only to not sign the paperwork and eventually land at Oklahoma. Through four games, Bowen has been an important key in the OU defense with 14 tackles and a team-high four pass breakups. And for PJ, they say OU was the longtime favorite. His brother played at Northwestern. Uh, Missouri and LSU were also involved in his recruitment. He committed to OU in the summer before his senior season. And four games this year, he's got four tackles, two-and-a-half TFLs, with a sack, a pass breakup, and one quarterback hurry. Jeez, that's a pretty full stat sheet already. Yeah, and, and, four his, games. and his quarterback hurry was oh about two tenths of a second from being a strip sack, too. <laughs> There's been some plays this year, um, especially defensively, that have made you say, whoa, okay, I haven't seen that in a while. I don't know if there's been a play that we've seen so far this year that has gotten you more excited like for the future <laughs> than that play that P.J. made on Emory Jones last week. A few, oh, my gosh. A few text line denizens have referred to him as the Mantis, and he sure looked like it on that play because <laughs> he got off the line, he hit that offensive tackle with the cross chop, and wham, mm. he was on top of Emory Jones, and it all happened like that. I mean, we, we got to remember who we're talking about here. Like, the guy that saw the play, like, went back and watched the game on the plane, and the guy that saw that play, 
and went to the position coach of PJs and said, we got to play this guy more. I don't have to tell you. Brent Vittables has seen some pretty unbelievable defensive players previously. All right, And I'm not telling you that P.J. is perfect right now or that he can't stand to get a lot better technically at some things, like, you know, all that. I, I'm, just, I'm just here to tell you, like, our, our hopes and expectations of him, he, he may surpass all of those, dude. Like, I, I think that that's what we're talking about with P.J., if he just continues to progress. In like two and a half weeks' time, it was, yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, he's done some nice things, but as he continues to come along, we'll find more of a role for him. In two and a half weeks, it goes from that to, hey, man, we got to play this guy more. What are we doing? It just shows you, I think, the level of growth that is already taking place this year. And Brent wants to wants him to get more snaps. I'm sure PJ, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if – he has the most snaps that he's seen all year long and those on were Saturday. The, those were the two guys leading into the year, Tyler, of which we said there's probably going to come a point in 2023 at which you can't keep those dudes off the field anymore. It's pretty early. And <laughs> we hardly got out of non-conference play before that happened. I mean, at this point, Peyton Bowen is already seeing the majority of the snaps defensively, whether it's safety or at Cheetah. And if Venable's opinion of P.J. Adibari, or Adibawara, I got to get it out of my head. If his opinion of P.J. is any indication, you're about to start seeing that kid play a majority of the defensive snaps as well. I was thinking about the true freshmen that have already played. And, and some obviously have played you know, more snaps than others. Some in a more prominent role than others. But some that we've seen a decent amount up to this point. Like, Think of this, man. You've seen P.J. a lot. We'll continue to see him a lot moving forward. Jackson Arnold hasn't started a game, but he's, he's been involved in the offense in some interesting points. Um, Jacquez Petaway, Peyton Bowen, Caden Green, Macari Vickers made a nice play, Josiah Wagner-Will, Kendall Dolby, of course. There's been like eight true freshmen already this year that haven't just played snaps. Like uh, The majority of those guys that I just listed off have played a substantial role up to this point. A lot of those guys have even started games so far. Yeah, and look, you expect it from some guys. I think you expected P.J. and Peyton to have an impact at some point in 2023, even if that wasn't right away. And Kendall Dolby, with his background as a junior college All-American, obviously that was another first-year guy that was going to get on the field and he was going to have an impact in some capacity, whether that was at outside corner or at Cheetah. And he's been excellent. Made a really athletic interception against Tulsa. But I... I do think it's encouraging to start seeing some of these guys like Jaquez Petaway and Samuel Masigo and Lewis Carter. Even if they're not playing those big-time snaps yet, it's encouraging to see those guys on the field holding their own and not looking completely lost because that's an easy thing for a freshman to do. You show up, and it's just too fast for you. It's too overwhelming. Don't really get the sense that any of the true freshmen that we've seen so far on the field for Oklahoma in a meaningful capacity have been overwhelmed by what's in front of them. Cherokee Sooner says, just call him PJ at a badass. I actually <laughs> kind of like that quite a bit. 5-8-0, are we going to see Josiah Wagner? Uh, so he played, what, two snaps last week? Mm-hmm. First taste of action that he'd gotten. And again, Brent Venables himself said it. This was a dude that was making a push to potentially start before he got sidelined by a groin injury in fall camp so are you going to start to see him yes 
in a limited role, I would say, but based on the way that Woody Washington and Gentry Williams have held their own and the emergence of Kendall Dolby and as as many snaps as Macari Vickers has played, and it hasn't been a lot, but it, it, he, we've seen a decent amount of Macari Vickers. I think it's going to be harder for Josiah Wagner to work his way into a consistent role on this right. defense midseason than yeah. it would have been if he'd just yeah. been able to stay healthy. If he was able to stay healthy early on, he would have gotten reps in the first game. That he, I mean, he could be getting reps right now, I think. But you're right, man. Now all of a sudden, and this is a good problem to have. Yeah. It's it's tough to find a spot because you're not taking Woody Washington. I mean, I mean you're, you're good with him. You're good with Gentry. You're good with Ken, You're good with everyone that they played there at corner. So they'll try and work you, man. I'm sure a little bit, but in a starter role, it's going to be tough. Man, man, just just imagine if CJ Colden had stayed another year. I know, man. I know. Nine one eight. All of OU's five stars from the twenty three class are already showing their high evaluations. Uh, that was accurate. Great to see because OU's hit rate with five stars has been shockingly low. See the twenty nineteen class. Yeah, we we talked about that multiple times in the off season and. You're already seeing. I mean, really, Jackson Arnold has played less than PJ and Peyton Bowen, and Bowen and PJ will be bigger factors, at least I think, for this year's team. But Jackson Arnold's still giving you plenty of reasons to be excited. Like when he's in there, when he's just been running the offense as the quarterback. I mean, that throw against Tulsa that he had to Nick Anderson for a touchdown was a hell of a deep ball. So even Jackson Arnold in. You know, limited spots has still been really good when he's been out there. Porter Moser's biggest fan asks, is the portal receiver from Texas still on the team? Yes. Yes. Brennan Thompson, much like Josiah Wagner, I think that's a guy that is going to be held back going forward because it's not his fault. It's just he was banged up to start the year. Other guys got opportunities. Other guys capitalized on those opportunities. Let me ask you right now, when are you going to put Brennan Thompson on the field? I I mean, because is there a single moment in the game where you can justify having no. him on the field over Nick Anderson. He's at least Gibson. dressed out now. I saw him in the Tulsa yeah. game at halftime. Um, he, he was running around. He was dressed out. But, dude, like not, not just for Brennan Thompson, but remember what Brent was saying about Gavin Freeman before the year? How he was the best wide receiver in the spring and it wasn't even close? I looked before the show today, and there are ten wide receivers currently, and it, it's still early on in the year. I understand that. But there are 10, not even wide receivers, 10 pass catchers currently that uh, have better numbers than, uh, than Gavin Freeman up to this point. So some may not want Gavin Freeman more out on the field, but for those that do, like to the, to the overall point, you want to give lef- less reps to Nick Anderson? No, you don't. I'll answer that question for you. Um, I, Farouk, no. Anthony, no. I, it's, it's a numbers game right well, now. Yeah, and if, and if you're looking at Oklahoma's overall play and production at wide receiver over the first four weeks and you're sitting there wondering, why on earth isn't Gavin Freeman playing more? Then I, I don't know what we're I, – I don't know what you're moaning over, basically. Because, yeah, Gavin Freeman's a really good player. Brent Venables has said as much. When you hear the head coach so adamantly and repeatedly emphasize that this guy's an absolute baller – and yet you have several other players outproducing him, that's not a Gavin Freeman problem. That's just a credit to the other receivers on the roster and what they've been able to do with the targets they've been given. Uh, Kyler and Jink says, since we are now in conference play, do you foresee us redshirting Arnold to save him? No. Uh-uh. No. No, 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 no. 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 No reason no. to. No reason to. And he's uh, already played in three games, right? Yeah, he's played in three. Yeah. The... Uh, 
the Cincinnati game was the only one he hasn't appeared in yet. Did they say publicly that they're not r- r- concerned about redshirting him? Brent Venables did say that. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. I mean, got, it's obvious, but I, I, I thought I remember him saying that. He a said weeks we can't ago. afford to redshirt him. Mm-hmm. That was those were Brent Venables' words. Dirty Mike and Okarchi says if PJ wasn't held every down, he would have a couple more sacks on here than what <laughs> well, he already maybe, has. Maybe. That's, that's probably. I true. saw Oki Tom say, uh, "Well, hey, PJ, uh, maybe wouldn't be a bad cheetah someday." I like PJ exactly where he's at yeah, right now on the field. <laughs> However, he, he could probably play any position out there and still be really good. But I, I like him where he's at right now. Yeah, let's mm. have him making life hell off the edge for the opposing left tackle. Who, as Teddy mentions in that promo, your left tackle is usually the biggest, baddest dude on your roster. I just hope, I'm so impatient, it's going to happen at some point in his career, but I want him to start a game so bad this year for no other reason than when they do the starting lineups before the game, (laughs) he gets to say his his full name, and you know everyone's going to be like, yeah! That'll get the loudest ovation during the starting lineups. It'll have, like, he, he will hear his name called. Whether that is this year or next. And that will be a momentous occasion for multiple reasons. Yeah. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU Cruton. More OU football next right here on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. By the way, Doug and Norman, if you're listening, thank you. I did get your mail today. Doug, um, he has every single channel listed right here, Parker. And all the games and where I can find them on television really? this weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, A&M in Arkansas, 11 a.m. on SEC Network. Uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt, SEC Network as well at like 3.30 is what it looks like. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate Arkansas that. over A&M is a very popular upset pick in this week's Ref Royal Rumble. I feel like you and I had the exact same mentality yesterday. We saw <laughs> yep. it come across that Connor Wegman's out for the year, and you and I were like, oh, yeah, we're going yeah, with Yeah, jump on that. Jump on that before the line drops. Bixby at Southmore, 7 p.m. tonight. Catch that game, krefsports.tv. If you haven't seen Bixby play a football game yet this year, well, it is rather impressive. And you can tonight, 7 p.m., krefsports.tv. That's our lone high school game of the evening, and then we got a ton coming up on Friday. Jeremiah Smith, wide receiver, commit for Ohio State, five-star out of Hollywood, Florida. Is he the number one player in the 2024 class, in your opinion? Yes, and... At this point, it might not be very close. And I'm look. I'm someone being said the best wide receiver prospect they've seen since Julio Jones. Now, I love Terry Bussey. I love David Stone. I love Williams Winery. Heck, I love Dylan Rayola. But Jeremiah Smith, that dude is different. And I don't look. I haven't been around long enough to make that kind of sweeping assertion that he's the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones. He's the best wide receiver prospect that I've ever seen. Yeah, so gr- in the time that I've surprise, been surprise, surprise, Ohio State's got another legitimate wide receiver rolling through after Marvin Harrison Jr. gets. Does done. he stay committed though? That's the million dollar question. Because was he at, <laughs> no, was he did, was he at Florida last weekend? Is that what's going on? There's there's some commit that was at Florida five star. Yes, it was yeah. him and Charles Lester both were at Florida uh, five star Florida State cornerback commit. But I I was told verbatim by a source down in the Sunshine State a while back. He will go wherever the biggest bag is. That is all this is about. <laughs> Guy from Catoosa says, important game time question. Can you still have kegs and eggs with a 6 p.m. kickoff asking for a friend? 
Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Bob was on with us on Tuesday, and he revealed that he had uh, kegs and eggs with the family for the 11 a.m. kickoff between OU and Cincinnati, which was awesome. Guy, yeah, you can have kegs and eggs. You just got to start at like 7, 8 a.m. and just, you know, go, go all day. Best of luck to you, Guy. I know you're asking for a friend. Guy's not asking for himself. Guy, tell your friend that, yes, you can still do kegs and eggs for a, uh, a nighttime kickoff. That can still happen. Um, Nick Anderson, we talked about him last segment. Yeah. He did get some more opportunities last week. He had a touchdown. Is he still the guy whose name goes in the fill-in-the-blank of, hey, get the ball more to blank? Is Nick Anderson still that name on offense, or has there someone else that's uh, surpassed that? I like you can say Andrew Anthony, but I feel like that's kind of obvious. Like the guys that are getting the ball a whole heck of a lot, you're not you're not necessarily trying to make it a point to get the ball, get those guys the ball more. I I would say amongst guys that have only touched the ball a certain amount thus far, and you want to see their touches increase. Yeah, it's Nick Anderson for me that's at the top of the list, but. You know, I don't. I don't have a problem with Andrell Anthony and Jalil Farouk dominating the targets at this point because both of those guys have been excellent. I, I would like to see Gavin Sawchuk get more involved on the ground because I think he's a home run threat in the backfield that you just lack right well, now. That's what I was about to say. I, I'd like to sit here and say Barnes and Sawchuk, but after essentially getting called out on Tuesday by the head coach, and that's kind of what it sounds like. It's not going to be Barnes and Sawchuk until they until they start being more consistent and practice better. That was that was rather obvious. So, yeah, it to me it's still Nick Anderson. Keep giving him chances around the line of scrimmage. Throw him short stuff. Throw him slants. Throw him deep balls. Um, what whatever you got to do to get the ball in Nick Anderson's hands. Like I tweeted out Saturday, there's just some guys on this team right now. Like good things happen when you target them. Good things happen when you target Andrew Anthony. Good things happen when you target Jalil Farouk. And good things have happened when you have targeted Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson as well. That's four wide receivers. Drake Stoops, too, throw him in that mix. But there's a handful of wide receivers where it feels like every time those guys are getting an opportunity, something good is happening with the offense. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.